good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is so good to see you this week. I hope you had a great week. Uh, I had a very fast and, and uh, furious trip to uh, the Middle East this past week. I, I don't know that I've ever gone that far in such a short period of time, but uh, I left here on Sunday right after church last week and got back late Friday night from uh, Beirut, Lebanon. That's where I was at, and uh, uh, what an interesting place that was. I was working with a group of church planners there and uh, just doing some, uh, some whiteboarding and just planning and, and just seeking God's direction with this group. And, and, uh, and I can tell you this, that God's doing some incredible things in Beirut, Lebanon. Let me just say that. Jesus is up to some incredible things. Amen? And, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking how incredible it is that we... We, we notice all that God's doing all around us. I mean, that's easy to kind of see. We, we hear from people who God's moving in their life, and we know that God's uh, shaking and stirring the hearts and minds and souls of people uh, that are friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. But we often don't really think about those places like Beirut, Lebanon, where God uh, is moving in just incredible ways. And, and we, we think of those places as is uh, very highly Muslim areas, and, uh, but God is working. God is uh, penetrating the hearts and the minds and the darkness of, of places like that. And, uh, and I can't wait to just share with you as I process uh, the things that I saw and, and, uh, and, and just was able to witness and, and even thinking about how God would use Cross Point Church to impact Beirut, Lebanon, and, and, and really a country that is in need of of a great work there. Uh, I can't wait over the next months and, and weeks to even share with you uh, some of the things that we witnessed there. But God's doing some incredible things, and I'm just uh, glad uh, that I'm back here with you this morning. I am a bit jet-lagged, so if in the middle of a message I just ball up in a fetal position and go to sleep, I'll just ask the band, you know, you'll just holler for the band to come on out, and they'll wrap things up. But uh, uh, jet lag is, is really hitting me pretty strong right now. But it's, it's good to be back with you this morning. I'm excited about, uh, about the message this morning. But before we dive into that, let me just uh, say this. Uh, last night with David Crowder was an amazing time. How many of you here were here for that? Wasn't it incredible? Uh, we had a packed out house, uh, sold out event. Uh, and and I, we brought in extra seats uh, yesterday and, and the place was full. God was moving though, and that was what was so incredible. Just uh, an incredible night of worship. That's the only way I could describe it. And uh, I'm just so thankful for Spence and David Broomberg and others who made that night possible. Uh, they, they were uh, able to communicate with uh, David Crowder and have them here last night. And I think it was a good time for our community. Uh, it was a good time for us as a church to just come in and, and worship Jesus in the way that we, that we did last night. But I also want to thank our worship team. They did an incredible job opening up for David Crowder last night. Amen. And also... Uh, just, uh, just say thank you also to a group of volunteers that, uh, that without the volunteers, it just couldn't happen. Uh, you know, while everything was happening in here, there was a whole host of volunteers taking care of things outside of this room. Didn't get to come in here and participate, but God was, was moving uh, even in the hallways. And so uh, it was just an incredible time last night. And I'm just so thankful that we can do those things and look forward to the things that we're going to do in the future concerning all of that. But this morning, we're going to continue in our series called Upside Down. And uh, what we want to do this morning is we want to look at Jesus. We like doing that around here, don't we? Amen. And uh, so we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. 
Uh, we're going to continue to worship him, even through the reading and the preaching of God's word. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the message that God has for us. And I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the word that he has for us this morning. So pray with me, if you will, here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do praise you and we worship you. And uh, God, we are just so thankful for you in our presence, uh, in your presence in our life this morning. God, as we have come here and gathered together as a faith family, we're gathering in this place, God, people who, who desperately are in need of you, people who acknowledge, it, Lord, our inadequacies. And, and God, we're just a, a group of people here, just ordinary people who worship an extraordinary God. And Lord, for that, we're very thankful for your presence in our life. And Father, I just pray that as we prepare to dive into your word this morning, that you would help us to set aside every distraction that exists in our life. And God, we would be intentional about focusing in on what it is that you want to speak into our hearts. And as we open up your word, God, I pray that you would stir our very souls. And God, that we would, we would just come to a place of just wanting more and more of you. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for everything that you have accomplished on our behalf, Lord, for loving us so much that you would send your son, Jesus, to, to die on the cross, that his blood would be spilled for the atonement of our sins, and Father, that uh, by grace we can be saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the work that you want to do here on this very rainy day. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about Jesus, who is our solid foundation. How many of you agree with me on that this morning? Jesus is our solid foundation. And uh, this is something that is truly very important for us to understand as we've been walking through this series where we talk about Jesus coming to this earth and having a, having a very intentional plan about just turning this world upside down and speaking into the lives of people uh, who, who kind of had one way of believing and thinking about things, and Jesus came in and said, nope, it's not that way, it's this way. And he just sort of turned things upside down. And as he did that, lives were changed, lives were transformed. And, and God began to just reveal truth in their life. And, and, and so uh, one of those truths is the fact that Jesus is our solid foundation. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to go this morning. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start with verse 21, and we're going to march all the way through verse 29. And uh, I love this passage. I believe this passage is probably one of the most powerful teachings of Jesus that we see, and it comes to us in the form of a single sermon. Uh, this is a sermon that has come known to us or is known to us as the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts all the way back to Matthew chapter 5. We see where Jesus, he, he, he comes and he sort of establishes his, his ministry. He comes and he calls and gathers his disciples. And as those disciples come and gather around him, he begins to go out into the land. And, and he is just really launching his ministry. It's, uh, it's just getting off the ground. But already we see in the scriptures where, where great crowds, and I love how the the scriptures tell us that it was a great crowd that, had, that was following Jesus and they were seeing the great works of this, this man named Jesus and they were gathering around him and he comes to this, this mountain and he, he sort of goes up there on the side of that mountain and the scriptures tell us that he sat down and he opened his mouth and he spoke as someone who had authority. And so Jesus begins to preach 
this message of life to people who had gathered, and it's one of the most powerful sermons that we could ever understand and read. I want to encourage you, if you've never read through the Sermon on the Mount, go and start Matthew 5, just start Matthew 5, chapter one, I mean verse 1, and just read all the way through verse 7. You'll see this passage we're going to be looking at today. This is the, the final words of this sermon that Jesus is preaching, but there's a lot that he is speaking on concerning life, and we need to understand what it is that Jesus has in store for us and how he came into this world and he flipped it upside down. I mean, he really and radically changed things up and, and really shifted a lot of people's way of thinking and their belief systems. And so we see here where he is gathering and what we begin to realize is that what Jesus' intention is in this sermon is to change people's belief systems. What we come to realize is, as we read not only in this passage and, and even in the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, but we read the rest of the Gospels and we begin to really explore what Jesus is saying. We begin to understand that people had a really sort of messed up belief system. There was a lot of people who were believing that they could earn God's favor through their works. And, and many people even believed that in their own self-righteousness. And so what Jesus had to do, and he did very uh, well in this sermon, is he had to sort of break down this belief system that they had that they could earn somehow God's favor. He, he, he had to share with them the truth that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He had come to to bring his righteousness to the table. And, and so he had to, piece by piece, begin to dismantle this belief system that people had that was really bringing them a sense of false assurance. And so he is doing this very efficiently as he is walking through this text. And, and, and so starting in chapter 5, Jesus begins to tear down this, this belief system, this way of thinking, this ideology that they had. This uh, you know, and, and a lot of these people were truly, truly, uh, living for God. I mean, they were wanting to live for God. They just, they just had it all wrong. And so what Jesus was doing was he was bringing this truth to the table. And the, the verses that we're going to be looking at here today, the final part of this Sermon on the Mount is what I believe is some of the most powerful words that Jesus taught. And this is what I want us to look at. This passage today, and I know I, I, I probably say that about every message, don't I? But this passage is so incredibly important to us. You know, there, there's a lot of time that goes into just prayer and, and, and talking among each other as a staff that, that where we select these different texts that we're going to preach through week by week. And, and the reality is, is I believe that by the time it gets to this moment together with you, and you know, that God really has just ordained these words and he has prepared our hearts to receive the message that he wants to be delivered, and, and, and I pray, I pray all the time that, that what you hear as I preach is not the words of just some old crazy pastor, but that you hear from God this morning. My prayer is that you be impacted by the Holy Spirit as he sweeps across this place, this room, and fills us with his presence here this morning. But Jesus is going to lay down this, uh, this truth this morning for us, and we're going to pick this passage up, this sermon up, starting with verse 21. So I want to encourage you and invite you to read along with me here this morning. Matthew 7, starting with verse 21. So Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now I believe here Jesus is answering an age-old question that was asked not once but several times in the Old Testament. Uh, I want to take you to a passage right now, uh, Psalm 15.3, where, where this question is asked, and I believe that Jesus and, and what he is presenting at the end of this message is really answering this question for us. But the psalmist, he writes here in Psalm 15, verse 3, he says, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? That is a very significant and important question, a very relevant question for each and, of, to, each and every one of us in this room this morning to ask uh, ourselves, who's going to stand in the presence of God? Now, I, again, uh, if, you, if we set our minds in the, in, the, in the minds of those who were listening to this great message being preached, as Jesus was standing on this hill, or he was sitting on this hill, and he was, he was teaching to the people as someone who had authority, and, and there were many people gathered there. The scriptures say it was a great crowd, and they were gathered there, and they were listening to Jesus speak, and, 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 and you know, they were dealing with these systems of belief, uh, this understanding that they had that somehow, some way, their own self-righteousness or their good works might earn them a place in heaven and even as Jesus is preaching on the truth that he is the Savior, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, as he is preaching these truths, as he is helping them to understand who he is as the Son of God, as he's preaching through all of this, there were people there who, who would simply just not understand what they needed to understand about Christ Jesus, even though they may profess Christ and say, I believe in that, that sounds good, that's really good stuff that you're teaching there, Rabbi. And so here we see Jesus, as he begins this text, begin to reveal some very important things to us. You know, I, I was looking at this text, and, and it, it just it hit me that their culture, their spiritual culture, I don't mean like culture like today we drive cars and they didn't, I'm not comparing that, of course that's true, but I mean our, the spiritual culture of the people in Jesus' day I believe, are not a lot different than what we see today. That's why the scripture is still relevant to us as believers in Christ Jesus. We read this, we, we hear the words of Christ, we either embrace them or we reject them, whatever it is that we want to do here. But the culture, the spiritual environment, so to speak, was, was really very much the same 
as it is today. And I, I want to tell you why I would say that. I, I believe that there are those, as we read this passage, that, that would claim to be followers of Christ Jesus, but they did not know him. They did not know him. Uh, Judas Iscariot was one who followed Jesus for three years, but in the end we see he was not someone who was a true believer of Christ Jesus, even though he would have proclaimed Jesus as his Savior, at least in the beginning. And so we, we see that there are those that were like that. There were many who were living a sense of false assurance about salvation, and their belief system was flawed. They just simply believed they were saved, and they weren't. And that's why Jesus came. He came preaching the truth about who he was, and he came preaching the truth about what they needed to understand. And so that we, we know that about the, the people of Jesus' day. There were those who were building their lives based off of self-reliance. There were people in Jesus' day who were living their life, and somehow, some way, they felt in their own way they could take care of themselves. And they just simply couldn't. And so I look at the spiritual atmosphere, I look at the spiritual culture of Jesus' day, and I see that, you know, that's not a lot different than the way our culture is today. Today in our culture, there are many people who would hold up the banner of Christ but will never see the gates of heaven. There are people who would claim to be Christians today that, are, that, would, that would live a life, a, a total life, you know, saying that they're Christians, but it's just simply not true and they'll never see the gates of heaven. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus says in this passage. Look at verse 21 with me. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's kind of shocking, isn't it? I mean, it, it, you know, you, you look at that, and it, it's one of these things where it just, man, it just kind of causes you to push back a little bit because you would think if they're claiming to be Christians, if you, you would think that if they're, if they're saying, I believe in Jesus, that they ought to be saved, but, but what Jesus says is not everyone who would claim this that would hold the banner of Christ up in their life and say, Jesus is my Lord, is truly saved. And so this is one of the things that even Jesus himself had to say here, um, today in our culture, there are those who profess Christ and claim to live for Jesus, but their words fall very short of who they are. They're not disciples of Jesus. He continues on in verse 22, and he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So there will be really a lot of people, this is what the truth of God's word says, there will be a lot of people who serve the church and don't believe that Jesus is truly the son of God. There'll be people who have not been redeemed by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ who are living their life, even serving the church. And today, also in our church culture, our spiritual culture, there are those who are building on their lives with the wrong foundation. Jesus Christ is our solid foundation, amen? Okay, there were six people right here that said yes and amen. Jesus Christ is our solid foundation, amen? amen. Do I have to ask you amen? Can we just get an amen when I say something that is absolutely true and something you believe? Uh, my goodness, Jesus is our solid foundation. Amen. There you go, there you go. There's six people who got it before that very moment, and now the rest of you get it, and we're all praising God for that. So there's six down here that know Jesus. So anyway, uh, you know, it's just, it's just amazing when you look in Scripture, you see 
where Jesus is our solid foundation and his words are our life. His words, the very words of Christ are our life. That's what we're gonna see as we explore this text together this morning. His words are our life and his power is our strength. His power is our strength. Say that with me if you will this morning. His power is our strength. How many of you believe that this morning, amen? His power is our strength. We need to understand the power and the grace of Christ Jesus in our life. We need to understand how significant it is to not only just say that we're a Christian, but to believe with every fiber of our being that he is our solid foundation. And he's going to dive into that as we look at this. These are the words of Christ here today that we are going to be looking at. So let's dig into this passage. Let's take a look at what Jesus is saying here in the remaining, remaining part of this text that we have picked out here to look at this morning. Jesus tells the story of two men. He tells the story of two men. Two men he refers to as builders who build a house. Now, here's what makes this passage so relevant to us. And here's what makes this passage so important for every one of us in this room to understand we are all in the process every single day of making decisions in our life that affect the rest of our life. How many of you believe that? That every day we're making decisions that affect the rest of our life. How many of you believe that this morning? You believe that with me? We, we do. We make decisions. Here's the reality. Some of those decisions are good decisions, aren't they? Some of them were like, oh, praise God, I had the insight, the wisdom to make that decision. And then some of those decisions are what? They're not so good decisions, Right? They're foolish decisions. Some of those decisions we make, they, they bring more destruction in our life than they do joy and peace and, and certainty, don't they? And so we make decisions every single day of our life. And so as we make those decisions, we need to understand that Jesus is our foundation. Every single one of us in this room are in the process of building our own spiritual home, okay? This is an, a, a parable that Jesus is preaching here. He's gonna use these two builders to present to us this morning an analogy, okay? He's gonna present to us a, 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 a parable that, that speaks of this analogy. There's a, there's a wise builder and there's a foolish builder. We've already read about that. And so he's gonna be helping us understand how we can build a good spiritual home, a solid home, based on the reality, the, the truth, that he is the solid foundation. And what we must know is that the foundation is the most important thing of all things to consider when we look into our spiritual life. The foundation is one of the most important things to consider. You know, when you walk into somebody's house, you don't usually walk in and you, you, you walk into their home and say, wow, you've got an amazing foundation. We, we don't do that, do we? We might walk in, we say, hey, what kind of flooring have you got here? But you see, the flooring is covering the foundation. We don't see the foundation, do we? The walls are standing, the roof is still there, so, you know, we, we may look at the furnishings of the house. There's everything about, but the foundation is that invisible thing that exists in our life that we don't really see, but it holds everything in place. And so the foundation for us, as we think about Jesus being our solid foundation, is is not just the starting point of our faith, of our Christian faith. It's not just the starting place. It is the very crucial element of our faith. It is the, it is the most important thing of our faith. And so understanding 
that everything we do and everything we say and everything we build upon in our life needs to begin with Jesus is not an understatement. Do you understand that here this morning? It's not an understanding. We, we must get this and understand this because everything from this day forward is depending on whether it's a, we're being a wise builder of our life or being a foolish builder of our life. And this is the analogy that Jesus is going to present to us as he has preached through this, this Sermon on the Mount and the very final words that he gives his disciples and this large crowd that is gathered there to listen to him is which are you going to be? Are you going to be a foolish builder? Or are you going to be a wise builder? So as we walk through this text together this morning, I pray that that would be what you're processing in your mind and that would be what you're thinking about in your mind. And so Jesus starts off, and he does this. He, he compares both the similarities and the differences. He, he compares the similarities and the differences between these two builders. One is the wise builder, one is the foolish builder. But he, he, he presents to us several similarities. I want to just give those to you. That's not the, 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 the most powerful part, I think, of, of what Jesus is trying to say to us. Uh, that's not what sets us apart. Um, but I want to present these to you because I want you to understand them. Uh, the similarities that we see here are both of these men that Jesus is speaking about, both of these men have heard the gospel. And it's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand that. Remember, Jesus has just been talking and preaching for the last three chapters. Starting in verse five, he's been walking through and now he's closing out with this analogy of these two builders. And, he said, and, and what we must understand is that both of them have heard the gospel. So they've heard the message of Christ. They've heard the message of Christ. It says in verse 24 and 26, everyone then who hears these words of mine, that's how he sort of sets this thing up. He's talking about the, the wise builder. He's talking about the foolish builder. And so he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, he, he gives that to us, uh, speaking about both of these builders. Both of these builders also built houses. The houses, as I've already mentioned, is a parable, I mean, is, is a parable uh, where the obvious references are how to build our life as we think about walking through this life and, and what are the essentials that we need to understand, what are those things that we need to, to understand that we can build upon a life and it be a good life and a wise life. And, and so both of these are building houses. And both of these houses, this is important, both of these houses have come against storms. Both of these houses have had to, in, have, have encountered heavy storms. It says rain and floods and wind. That sounds a lot like a hurricane to me. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a hurricane. In verse 25 and 27, it says this. This is how it starts out after both men have built their house. It says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house. And so both of these homes that have been built come against heavy, heavy storms. You know, I look at that, and here's the importance of that, I really believe, is because every one of us sitting in this room are coming against storms in our life, amen? We, we face storms all the time. Some of them are nothing more than a rainy day. Some of them are rainy days with a little wind added to it, right? And then some of the things that we come against, some of the storms that we face in life are full-on hurricanes, gale-force winds in our life, right? And, and, and here's the reality. If we don't have a good foundation, one that is, is, is founded on uh, Christ, Jesus, who, 
is our cornerstone. If we don't have a good foundation founded on Jesus and the words that he is teaching, that's important. We're going to look at that in a second. The words that he is teaching, then we will fall and the fall will be great. The fall will be great. Just like the house that was built on sand, when we come against those storms in life, when we are bombarded by the pressures of this world, when we face the, the, the persecution from the enemy, when all of these things come against us, if we're not grounded, if we don't have a great foundation in Christ Jesus and the teachings, his, his words, then we will fall and the fall will be great. But what Jesus says is the wise man doesn't build his house on sand. He builds it on rock. He has a good foundation, and he is able to withstand the storms in life. And so those are the similarities that we see here. But what really sets us apart, these builders apart, was their differences. And that's where we want to kind of drill down this morning. That's where we want to look at and see what it is that, that he is teaching us here, these, these, uh, these differences between these builders. Now, I realize he mentions the wise man first and then the foolish man, but I want to sort of reverse those, and I want us to look at the foolish man first, then we're going to look at the wise man, okay? And so Jesus says here, he says, one of the builders was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He said he was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. In the context of what Jesus is saying, he is, he is saying that building on sand speaks of people who hear the gospel they hear the gospel. Remember, both of these builders have heard the words of Jesus. They have been sitting there. All of these people that are now hearing these words have just heard the, the entire message that Jesus is preaching. And, and, and what this is speaking of is people who have heard the gospel news of Christ Jesus, who have heard the gospel message, they hear it, they listen to it, they filter it through their minds, but for whatever reason, they reject it. They turn away from it. They push away from it. And as they push away from the teachings of Christ, the gospel message of Jesus, as they turn away from it, they become like foolish men who are building their house on sand. And so here Jesus is, is really just laying this out. He's saying there are people who build their lives, their entire lives, on the shifting sands of philosophy, on the shifting sands of opinion, on the shifting sands of religious achievement. And so here he's, he's pointing out that there are people who are driven by this sort of outward religious appearance rather than building their foundation on the truth of the gospel and who Jesus Christ really is. And so Jesus says, the people that hear these words of mine, the people who hear the truth of the gospel and they don't embrace that truth as truth, they will be foolish men who build their house on sand. And so that's where he kind of starts off here. You remember in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Apostle Paul. We've been, we kind of started out there with, uh, with, with Paul's conversion on that road to Damascus. And so uh, we, we've been studying that passage. And we, we talked about how the Apostle Paul was a man who was a persecutor of the of the church. He was a persecutor of Christians. He, he absolutely despised Jesus. He hated him, and he wanted to wipe off the, the face of this earth. He wanted to wipe Christianity just right off the face of the earth. He just, he didn't want anything, uh, this thing to go any further than it had already gone, and so he had, he had gotten this 
permission to go into Damascus. And as he was traveling to Damascus, Jesus Christ came into his life, radically changed his life. He was transformed by the power and the presence and the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus came into his life, and this man is a new man. He's no longer a persecutor of the way. He is instead one who is proclaiming the good news of Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. And so as we look at his life, we read passages like those that are found in his letter to the Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, we read these words where Paul says, as we think about people who build their life on sand, he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, or you could say foolishness, to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is he is saying that there are people who hear the gospel message and they just don't discern it as truth. There are people, because of the, the nature of man, because of the depravity of man, that we find ourselves oftentimes rejecting truth when truth is being presented to us. And so what Jesus is saying, as we go back to our text, what Jesus is saying is that when we hear the gospel, when we read the, the rich words of Christ Jesus in the scripture, when we study the word of God, and we look at that and we say, ah, that's not right. When we push back on the word of God, that we are rejecting the truth of scripture, and we are asking for trouble. Because it's just like a man who built his house on sand. And it will not, it will not stand. Paul says they are not able because they are spiritually discerned. In 2005, I had the opportunity to go to Italy on a mission trip. And I was, uh, I was in Italy and we were doing some uh, mission work just outside of a little town called Pisa. Maybe you've heard of this little town. But, uh, but Pisa, P-I-S-A, it, it literally means marshy land. And so we have an idea right away of, of what the landscape is just by the name Pisa. Uh, okay, so it means marsh. It's like going to the coast and, and, and going over to St. Simon's Island and you see all the marsh all around you. You realize that's not a really great place to build anything, right? And so Pisa, is, it, it stands for marshy land. But in the in the early 1100s, there was a group of people who decided to build a, a very large tower there. It was going to be over 170 feet tall, and they started building this tower, and before they got even completed with the tower, before they completed this, this great build, the building began to lean. The building began to, to lean over, and today, the, the, the leaning tower of Pisa, which has come to be famously known for this tower is leaning over almost 18 feet out of plumb. I mean, I, I was able to see this building, and I'm amazed that it's not falling over. They've got all kind of cables and everything just trying to hang on to that building to keep that building from toppling over. But it's a remarkable sight to see this building, this, this large tower just coming up out of the earth. But knowing that they built this thing on land that was not capable of supporting this large tower, they built this thing on marshy ground, on sand. And so now this building is beginning to topple over. And one of the things I begin to think about as I, as I think about that leaning tower of Pisa is so often 
how our lives look when we don't, li- we don't build our lives on the proper foundation of Christ Jesus. How our lives must look when we live our life proclaiming to be believers in Christ Jesus and yet building our life on sandy soil. Not relying on the rock that we need to instead build our life on. And so Jesus has talked about this foolish man. He now begins to talk about the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock that Jesus is speaking of here, this rock that he is talking about, it, he, <coughs> excuse me, he is identified by, um, he is speaking of the words that he is preaching. Notice he says here in this text, he says, who hears these words of mine. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying that there are those who are hearing the words of Christ, there are those who are pushing back, but then there's others who are receiving the word of Christ. And so he's talking about the rock being the very words of Christ, the gospel message, if you will, and building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and they build their lives on this gospel message of Jesus Christ. They build their lives with Christ Jesus being the foundation. And all through scripture, we're warned of, of, uh, of not to build our lives on the things that are of sin, but to build our lives on the word of God. Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat here. These sinuses and this flu is going around. I hope that's not what I got. But anyway, one of the things that we, we know is that the apostle Paul, when writing when he was writing to the Colossians, that he had already been transformed by the power of Christ Jesus. He understood fully the need, he understood fully the need to to live his life, to build his life on the word of God. And he writes to the Colossians these words in Colossians 3, 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with the thankfulness in your hearts. And so here, this man whose life had been radically changed by the presence of Christ Jesus is now speaking truth, the same truth that Jesus is preaching here. Excuse me. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly In Ephesians, he's writing to them, and he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the passage here is about two believers, and uh, thank you, brother, is about two believers, and it's really incredible to look at the comparisons that he makes here in this text. And it challenges us. It challenges us to look at this and examine our own life and ask ourselves, are we building our life based off the truth of God's word or are we living our lives where we are rejecting the truth of God's word and building our lives, only setting ourselves up for something that is going to incredibly fail us one day. Two different stories. Two different people. Two different houses. 
two different foundations, two different results. But Jesus tells us a story. He tells us this story that we would not be foolish, but that we would be wise. He challenges us with this story that we would pursue Jesus Christ with everything that we are. That we would dwell richly on his word. That everything we do with our life would be built on the foundation of Christ Jesus. Jesus came into this world bearing truth. And when Jesus came into this world bearing truth, he came into this world speaking things that no one had ever heard. He was more clear about the truth than anything that anybody had ever heard. Nobody had ever heard him speak of, uh, of such divine nature with such clarity. They had never heard him speak with so much love. They had never heard anyone speak with, in just absolute, total truth with power and authority. So Jesus, he is walking on this earth and he's challenging the people that would gather around him to listen to the words of the gospel knowing that there would be those who refuse to believe. There would be those who choose to build their lives on the sandy soils that bear no fruit that bring only destruction. But he shares the story, hoping that there would be those, there would be those who take the words of Christ Jesus, who embrace the gospel message of Christ as the Son of God, who understand the importance of building a firm foundation on Christ himself. And it would be the words of Christ that they embrace with their life and they build their lives upon so that when the storms come in their life when they face the persecution that they might face when they deal with the hardships and the struggles that this life promises that they would have the foundation that would endure so this morning as we prepare to close out this time together let me ask you a question faith family what type of foundation are you building for the rest of your life? What kind of foundation are you building? You see, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus from this moment on is not concerned about your past. He's concerned about what lies ahead. And today as we continue to think about our life and all that lies ahead, we have an opportunity this morning to wipe the slate clean to trust in a Savior who loves us unconditionally, who trusts, to trust in a Savior who loves us with such depth that we could never love Him the way He loves us. And His desire for every single person in this room is that we would understand the gospel message, that we would embrace it with all of our heart, the truth about who He is as the cornerstone of our faith, and that we would be wise 
in the building of our life. This is how he chose to close out the greatest teaching of his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount. That Jesus would say to us this morning, are you building on sandy soil? Are you building on the firm foundation of Christ? I love what the old hymn says. In these words, in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then in all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This morning, will you choose? Will you respond? Will you react to the gospel message of Jesus Christ as Jesus pours into your heart this morning? Would you continue to worship him, believing that he is the foundation of your faith and believing that he is the solid foundation from everything from this moment forward? Will you trust in Christ Jesus? It is that important. Jesus says to us this morning that anything built on anything other than himself will fall. And it will fall greatly. My prayer, our staff's prayer, our leadership's prayer is that for every one of us here this morning that we would understand fully the need of the great foundation in our life. The foundation that is only found in Christ Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And our band's going to come out here. And I pray that in that moment as we transition from the time I finish my prayer to the time we begin to sing the lyrics, that you would this morning just ask God, God, what must I do to build a great foundation on the truth of your word? Would you pray, God, just help me to rely not on my own efforts and my own works and my own self-reliance, but acknowledge my reliance on you. Would you spend time worshiping Jesus, asking God to show you that truly he is the firm foundation of your life? And could we just be obedient in recognizing and responding to that truth this morning? Jesus desires for you to know him and for you to know him in the fullest of ways.